Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. And today I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Amanda Powell from Digital Marketer. How are you, Amanda? I'm doing well. Thanks. Always happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Long time no talk. Today's like a marathon podcast day for us. <laughs> Holy it cow. is. Going strong, though. Absolutely. We found our second wind here because we're talking to a guy here that we've wanted to have on this show for quite some time now. And uh, we met each other, I think, through... Ezra Firestone's Blue Ribbon. That must have been it. Did we know each other before that? I don't know. I think, I think we talked about it at, when we were having some drinks and we're like, we had, we thought that we had met somewhere before in some other life or maybe this one. <laughs> I think it was a guitar playing life. Well, anyway, it's Ryan McKenzie. He is uh, the co-founder of True Earth. This guy is a total badass when it comes to business. I'm actually kind of jealous because he's young, handsome, and successful all things that I were not when I was young. And he's owned and or helped launch seven subscription boxes. Like this guy knows how to build businesses. The whole continuity model, which is amazing. He scaled multiple premium subscription boxes to multi-million dollar businesses. And we're going to be talking today about his flagship brand, which is True Earth, which I am a huge believer in. We were talking pre-show today. It's actually the coolest laundry detergent that was ever invented. And I will actually search underneath my dirty socks and dirty underwear to find the package of it to avoid using the tide that's sitting next to the washing machine when I do my laundry at home. Ryan, psyched to have you on here today and talking about True Earth. Oh man, I'm, I'm super excited to be here too. I, I've listened to, to Perpetual Traffic actually before I ever originally met you. So when you, <laughs> when you invited me on the show, I was like, really? I get to be on Perpetual Traffic? So it's a pretty... Mutual feeling. I mean, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe I'm more excited to be here than you are to have me. But it's it's good. Well, you've built like real businesses. I just built like an agency where we run ads. Like yours involves a whole lot more, like supply chain and managing tons of people in physical locations. So uh, it's a mutual admiration society here, which is great. And one of the things that we're going to be talking about here today is obviously is how Ryan has built True Earth into this really like emerging big brand is how he's been able to leverage the power of micro-influencers. And it's not something that we've ever really talked about too much here on the show, but it is a great way to get traffic to your site and ultimately to convert it as a part of, you know, in Ryan's case, as he'll explain on today's show, sort of a multi-channel strategy, this being one part of it. But there's some parts of this strategy that help feed the other parts and make all those work even better which we'll divulge here on the show. So Ryan, maybe you can give us a little bit of uh, background, like how you kind of started, where you came from, how you kind of got to this point. 
right now. And obviously true earth is exploding with all the stuff that's going on in our current environment and people needing to keep their clothes clean without having to go out to the store, which plays perfectly into the brand. Yeah. I mean, I've been involved with like the internet marketing thing in some capacity since like the, the late nineties. I'm 39. I'm, I'm not as young as some of the people that actually kind of feel old in the internet marketing space. So I don't, I don't know how, how you must feel, Ralph. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I feel like near death, actually. I'm planning my funeral next weekend, as a matter of fact. So well, maybe, we can get a, maybe we get a two for one deal. Well, that means you're never coming back on the show anymore. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So late '90s, I, I started when when there's like GeoCities was a thing and building websites in, in in high school, and back then it was you know in the dot com boom, it was like you can get twenty dollars CPM for traffic to your site. So we were all Kevin, who's still one of my partners today. My other partner is Brad, which uh, you've met before, Blue yep. Ribbon. Sure. Kevin and I would build these sites. We had like these funny joke websites, and we had like a million subscribers, and we would basically promote the content and we would make a bunch of money on email ads too. And that was kind of how we got started. We went through a bunch of affiliate marketing things. And then I kind of got into media, like print media, which is a challenging industry to be in because it's really focused on advertising dollars and, and more and more of that has moved to, to digital. So a lot of what we wound up building came out of necessity in, to monetize that audience and people that are, that buy magazines, they're already kind of used to subscriptions. So the first natural movement was to like start doing subscription boxes. And, you know, we had a lot of success just out the gate and we wound up working with a number of different companies to help grow, grow, grow their platforms. We built a SaaS around it. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, watching YouTube with two of my, excuse me, two of my kids, it's actually my, my, my youngest son's birthday today. He's turning one, but he wasn't born yet. (laughs) Yeah. He's getting, he's getting big. We were watching YouTube and it was one of those shows where they unbox like toys and stuff. And we're watching it and it's like, man, there is so much plastic in these toys. Like it was like a treasure chest and it had a plastic around it. It was made of plastic. And then you open it up and there was like, there was like a plastic tray and there was like eight little toys individually wrapped in plastic. And you open it up and there was like an egg. And then it was like, it was made of plastic too. And I was just like, this is insane. And my kids, my kids are like almost six, almost five and one now. And I was kind of, Prior to having kids, I never really had like any sort of like negative outlook on what the future held for anybody because it was just taking care of myself. And it was, uh, I was starting to get like, what's going to happen with like AI? Are we going to lose jobs? Is the, are we going to like have global warming and, and like this place isn't going to be sustainable? Is there going to be enough food for people? Is it going to be overpopulated? Like, I was just getting all these like random, like new dad thoughts. Right. Mm-hmm. And this show was like this weird culmination for me. And we had access to the product prior to this and I hadn't tried it. We talked about it and I just kind of was skeptical. Like, I don't really see how a strip of laundry detergent's going to be effective. Like, you know, you've been trained your whole life to believe that you need this like ounce and a half scoop of liquid or powder to uh, effectively clean your clothes. So we had, I had kind of always discounted it until we were watching this and I reached out to my partner, Brad, and he's always been very big on the environmental space. Like he had a recycling plant in the nineties and he's like, Oh, I'll reach out. Let's get some, let's get some samples in from them and let's try it. And so we brought it in, tested it. And we're like, wow, this, this works. Like it's weird when you go from being like super skeptical to like, why is this not more readily available? 
and it's patented obviously so it, it makes it challenging for it to be readily available unless it's done in, intentionally right so we got our other partner kevin involved and he he's our cto he fired up the website in our in our software and we put it out there and we're th- we're thinking like if we hit 150 people buy the product in the first month and we'll ramp it up and we'll keep going and it was just like pouring gas on uh, a fire. It, the first month we did uh, somewhere between 1500 and 2000 people subscribed. Wow. So we we're like, whoa, well that, this is probably going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> this will work. <laughs> yeah. And that's that. And then that, you know, that was, we launched April 2nd, 2019. And you know, it's May, 2020. And we have over 40,000 active subscribers, I think 41,000 active subscribers to Holy the laundry crap. detergent now. That's insane. I didn't realize it was so recent. I mean, I should kind yeah. of do these things, but wow, that's, you know, that's 10 years in the making plus of overnight success yeah. <laughs> starting in April 2019. I, man, I've, I've had some bad days. Like, <laughs> like, there's my hair is pretty gray and there's a reason for it. Like things are good now, but I've had, I've had things fall apart in other businesses to the point where I didn't even know, like there's this one point in my life, which was like around 2009 where the businesses that I had had completely fallen apart. I just bought this house. I had a really expensive car payment and I just happened to luckily sell my condo and I had no money. And like, I had like $80,000 in like payments that I had to somehow come up with. And my dad recognized that something, something's wrong. And he's like, like, I didn't tell anybody either. Cause I'm like yeah, an idiot. And uh, he's like, do you need me to like buy you some groceries? And I, can't, I don't even remember if I said yes oh or not, God. but like, like I can remember if that feeling like in my head being like, yes, oh. uh, but like, yeah, I mean, so I, whatever, I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty details, but I know what the other side of it looks like and it yeah. sucks. Well, I mean, a lot of people will see True Worth and I'm, we're going to leave links in the show notes here, obviously, for everyone on Perpetual Traffic to become a subscriber because you should and it's really good. <laughs> but like people see that and they're like, oh, well, you know, he can do that and I can't do that. I mean, that's just going to be so hard or he's got lucky and it just happened overnight. Nobody really tells the story when you're just desperate and, you know, really down on the dumps and nothing works. Like I was telling you guys, this is my fourth business, you know, fired twice from the corporate world, you know, wife carrying my ass for like three years. And now it's a whole different story, but it's perseverance through that. And I think it's good for people to understand. It's like when you become, you reach any sort of level of success, there is a lot of pain and failure that goes through it. Unless you know, like there are cases where like it just happens, like people like on the first try, they get it right. And I have met a few of those people and I hate those people. But <laughs> Richard Branson, Richard Branson, 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 his name. But no, I mean, it's it's and now you've you've created something where it's sort of the perfect dorm. It's the perfect confluence of lots of different things. People need. Your, what you sell. Obviously, the environmental movement is still extremely strong. And, and Amanda was saying this before, it's like it sort of used to be niche. Now it's more mainstream. So it's more accepted. And you're actually you have like a noble cause getting rid of 700 million plastic laundry jugs. Like, how could you say no to this unless you guys price it at like a million dollars a month? Like, why wouldn't somebody buy it? Why, why not? Yeah. Yeah. It's all right there. 
So, but figuring that out, you know, you, it's, it's fascinating that you came from a world of subscriptions and then you went into a world of subscriptions in the physical product space because for me, like the most beautiful word in business is MRR. <laughs> you know? it's, an, it's an above average word for sure. It's an above average word. Monthly recurring revenue. It's not episodic. It's not one and you're done and you're doing good at the same time and prospering. And obviously you guys are, you know, are really thriving in this market, which is awesome. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So as far as like how it all kind of launched, like you said, it was back in April of 2019. Were those Facebook ads that you launched? Was it Google? Like how did that, how did you get sort of those initial 1500 or so people subscribing? I just started. Yeah. So the, the first day, I just like took some like native looking pictures of the laundry detergent at my house with my cell phone. You know, I didn't pay some studio to take any pictures or do anything fancy. And I, I threw up an ad. I threw up like five different variations of copy that I wrote in like three minutes with absolutely no preparation, which for whatever reason, that tends to be the ones that win for me. So true. And oh, like us. <laughs> it's so weird. I, I cannot, if I, if I think about my copy, my copy sucks. It has yeah. to be written. Like, the ones I have li- are yeah. so clever are never right. the ones that do. Right. <laughs> this one's going to crush. I always know that's the one that's going to be the loser. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I, it doesn't always work, but usually the ones that I write when I'm sitting in front of the keyboard in a rush are the ones that, that win. But uh, yeah, cranked out five different versions of coffee, a couple different pictures and posted on Facebook in the afternoon. And the first day I literally had zero sales from the Facebook ads. I, I did happen to reach out to somebody that when I was in like a low time, I was selling cell phones for Bell and I, somebody that I was friends with, or still friends with, but I was friends with back then who I don't see very much anymore. But I just said, Hey, check out this new product I'm launching. And I didn't ask her to buy it, but she went and bought it. And she was my first customer but she was the only customer on the first day. And the, at first I was like, 
you know, I mean, this happens all the time. You launch Facebook ads, they don't, nothing happens. <laughs> so the next day I'm like, oh. and like, you know, I've been, the, I don't know about if you've ever like launched a product, but there's like this, I go through like this whole gamut of emotions where like, I'm like, I think I nailed everything. I think it's going to fly. And then like, I go to bed and I'm like, I'm like nervous and I'm thinking like, okay, maybe this isn't going to fly. Like what are like, it's just like the, you're kind of like going all over the spectrum of, of emotions on what you think about this. And for the most part, I was pretty positive, but the first day didn't like go as I was hoping, but the second day it started to move and it was like, we were getting really, really great CPAs. So that was kind of our, our first beret. And then I also tried, we have a few different email lists for, from our other brands. Uh, and I sent out a couple of promos from those brands and they were, like the traffic was converting at like 25% off wow. those lists. And it's cold. I mean, it's warm in the fact that it's a recommendation, but this is a new category. So anyways, they work great. So I'm like, okay, well, worst case scenario, if Facebook ads don't convert, I know that I could probably go and try to get people to put me in their email list. And yeah, that was just how it all started. And like, we just slowly ran up with the Facebook ads and we were very lucky that all the, the moons and stars and suns and parts of the universe that I can't remember right now, were all aligned. <laughs> and, you know, we, we had a great launch. So those lists, the, were those lists that you owned or you rented them or did mail drops? Like, what did you, uh, where did those lists come from? No, they were, they were my own list. They were your own. That's what I thought. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I just kind of like tried to create angles that were specific to like, one was a travel list. And, mm. you know, I talked about like, you don't want to be on a beach and have like a plastic jug wash up at your feet or whatever. Like, you know, it's not that the amount of plastic that's being produced is, is tremendous. And the amount of plastic that's winding up in oceans and landfills is even more tremendous. And, you know, you want to continue enjoying the environment, you know, it's pretty easy to, to do something to, to make sure that it stays the way that you want it to be. So copy written specifically for the interests of those individual lists, for sure, which is great to have. So, all right, somebody listening to this show saying, well, he had email lists to begin with. Like, I can't do that. Well, how do you, like, aside from that, that's certainly helpful to be able to get some momentum moving forward. I think the bigger thing is, like, you can only go to those lists so many times. So then you have to go outside of that and go into our old friend, cold traffic. And you're in a, you're in a niche where there is, you know, embedded behavioral characteristics that everyone is beholden to here. Meaning, I go to the store, I get a big bottle of plastic you know, filled with this stuff that cleans my clothes, unless I want to go back to what one of those things that you used to wash, like the accordion thingies, like out in the backyard. <laughs> like, you know what we're doing that? Like the bar of soap, like from the 1920s or whatever. I mostly just wash my laundry on my, on my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's it. You got the COVID belly going right now. So, I mean, what you're trying to do here is like, this is a, you know, this is a product disruptor category. So how do you get that across? And then we'll get into you know some of the more advanced strategies, but just unto itself, people need to kind of buy into this whole thing. How did you do that? Sort of break, like turn that corner. A lot of it, you you, you pretty much get a few different schools of people when you do anything that's like eco related or like I mean, it probably goes with virtually any vertical. Is that you have your diehard people who will only 
purchase or buy things either that are the best or that fall within certain like guidelines and so on and so forth. And then you have your people that uh, are aware. I mean, this is like uh, market awareness stuff, Eugene Schwartz. You have your like market aware people that are, who are problem aware and you can kind of cater to them. You're probably going to be able to get a bigger market size out of, out of, out of that chunk. And then you know, to go even broader, since everybody does use laundry detergent, where, where everybody's problem aware of like needing to wash their clothes, but they're not necessarily problem aware of the implications of the way that they wash their clothes. So to create something that's as broad as possible, we really wanted to lean more into the people that are kind of aware of, of the problem and then the people who would be wanting to not contribute to the problem if they were aware that it existed. So a combination of educating them on what happens, because, you know, even before when we jumped into this, I actually didn't know that there were 700 million laundry jugs per year that end up in landfills. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, well, I recycle my, my, my laundry jug. So I'm not part of the problem. And if you dig a little bit deeper, you find out that even when like laundry, like products are recycled plastic, only about 20% of all plastic that's recycled actually gets recycled because there's only so much demand for that, for the actual recycled materials. So the rest gets burned or thrown out. I'm not even hundred percent sure what happens to it, but when you find out about that, you're just like, Whoa, okay. So I have been contributing to this problem all along and I didn't know about it. And when you frame it in a way that like people, I mean, it's not instant gratification stuff. So you have to frame it in a way that gets them emotional, like whether their kids are going to have a planet to live on or, or whatever it is, you know, it, it's not a very difficult thing to convince people that it is bad. Mm-hmm. You get people that are anti-climate change or whatever, but even that people that are anti-climate change, they're going to agree with you that plastic's stupid. Yeah, for sure. Sort of going down and we talk about Eugene Schwartz on this podcast all the time. So, I mean, there's, you know, people who are solution aware, okay, there is such a thing as eco-friendly laundry detergent. My wife used to buy it. It's in like these containers that look like they're like, I don't know, like cardboard boxes. I don't even know how the thing doesn't dissolve. But yeah. and like, like supposedly that's recyclable. Or anyone saying, well, I'm getting the big bottle of Tide and I'm throwing it in the recycling bin. But little do they know, and I've watched so many documentaries on this, like where 20 to 30%, just like you said, does not actually get recycled because the vast majority of it is unrecyclable. But then you've got the sort of the broader market, which is, well, you know, obviously I want to do some good for the world, but how does this actually work? Like this is a little strip of like that doesn't make any sense. How can I possibly like wash my clothes? I mean, you've got a lot of things here that you need to sort of deconstruct. What's been the the most influential way of doing it? Because I, I I know that you know we obviously talked about micro influencers, but when you when you talk to you know, when you get micro influencers to actually tout the benefits of your product, does it help eliminate a lot of those obstacles in your in your mind to get broader reach for the product? Or is it more they have to be into like the eco-friendly niche? Their followers have to be in that niche. Like what what's your sense when you try that strategy? I had the same question, Ralph, in terms of, you know, what in terms of micro influencers, what kind of people with like a specific audience are you targeting in order to reach the right audience? And how are they branding the messaging in order to get 
all of those statistics across because, you know, in a general sense, it is pretty hard. You know, I'm reading Make It Stick right now. And generally having a lot of statistics is not how things stick in people's brains. It's always, you know, very short, quippy pieces of information that are framed in a specific way. So that's what I was interested in too, in terms of how you're targeting these people. I would say that the biggest audience we probably go after is is moms. There's a lot of like mom Instagram people or bloggers or posters or influencers, whatever you want to call them. You know, and then there's also like the yoga side of things, the people that are uh, kind of into like alternative stuff. But, uh, you know, we're lucky in the fact that our product generally caters to a lot of people. So typically the the biggest challenges, I think with any product that's kind of like got an eco-friendly like frame around it is that people have this like preconceived notion that in in order to make a product eco-friendly, you have to give up something else. So one of our like core values is to create products that don't sacrifice like convenience or quality in order to justify their eco-friendliness. Like our products need to be just as good, if not better than the equivalent in order to, in order to kind of be something that we would sell. But I think that the biggest challenge that people tend to have with our product is just like the efficacy. Like they want to know, like, what are they giving up in order to use this? So when they see other people sharing it, we don't necessarily give them like super strict guidelines on what we want them to share. We just kind of let them go a little bit more organically about it because first of all, it feels, it feels better. It sounds better. It doesn't feel like as much of like a, like an advertisement, but when people see other people recommending this product, like they make sales. And like, even when my friends post like a picture of it on Facebook or like, I just randomly send people the product periodically because I just like putting it in people's hands and people will share it on their Facebook page, like their Facebook, like just like friends. Right. And it's insane how many people come in and be like, what is that? Does it work? Is it really like that good? I know I'm totally kind of tangenting here, but when people see it, it's different. So they, they ask questions and when they understand that it actually works as good as the other loads of laundry, they're interested in, in, in trying it. And because of some of the political challenges that I have in the U S being a Canadian, I actually have to, I can't really rely on our eco-friendly angle, at least in my sales copy on Facebook. We have it on the actual page itself, but I've had to kind of like figure out ways to be effective in communicating the benefits without leaning too heavily on that angle for most of the world. Yeah. People are always looking for trade-offs. It's like, you know, my, my wife tends to buy all the eco-friendly stuff. Like there's this I don't know, glass cleaner, you know, countertop cleaner that she gets all the time. And it sucks. It's it's so horrible. It doesn't work. I'm like, just get me the Windex. I don't care if it's blue and it's in a plastic container. It's like, but if there was a Windex equivalent, I would be all over it. I'm sure, you know, she's working, you know, day and night to figure that one out. Um, But the point is, is with laundry detergent, like there is no trade-off with this. You get all the good stuff without all the bad. And that's almost unbelievable unto itself. It's almost like it's too good. And then people are like, really? So the micro-influencers, I would imagine, because of that, help shorten that learning curve to a degree, is, is my sense. And it obviously, there's other benefits, which maybe you can talk about as well. But it definitely seems that it overcomes a lot of those objections almost immediately all in one fell swoop, which is pretty amazing. It's, le- it's definitely less scalable than like a Facebook ad or something like that. And, you know, m- for me to, when we started doing micro-influencer stuff, 
I had actually, actually talked to Nick Shackelford after Medium and Blue Ribbon in, in Denver, and we were going to do a campaign for something else. And he had suggested to me, it wasn't True Earth, it was something else that I was working on. And he suggested, you guys should start with micro-influencers. And at the time, I'm like, that sounds stupid. And <laughs> we just never did it. It's and, the most marketing term that you could possibly well, use, right? Micro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just like, well, I mean, like that just seems like a lot of work for not a lot of rewards. And I was just looking at it like totally from a direct response standpoint. And so like, I can't attribute the sale back to this. So like, you know, I was just kind of like, and I didn't know anything about influencer marketing and Honestly, Nick's obviously a, uh, a super smart dude and it's totally, I'm the dummy on that one for even thinking that. I never said that to him. I was actually going to, they were going to run the campaign and would just uh, a bunch of random things happened and we never wound up moving forward with it. But like when I explain to people why we do it now, it's not necessarily just to make sales. Like we're trying to build uh, an aura of trust around the brand. So when somebody looks for like searches for us on Instagram or wherever, they're going to see a ton of, of content. So they know that it's not just like one of the challenges that a lot of businesses face that advertise on Facebook is, you know, two years ago, everybody was drop shipping and they gave a lot of people really bad experiences with buying things directly from Facebook or they, you know, they, they backed a Kickstarter that never happened, whatever it is. So there's like, we call it like an invisible funnel. Like what trust assets can we build so that when somebody searches for us, they're going to find some, some trustworthy things. Like I like to have, I like to be on Amazon regardless of whether that's one of my big sales channels or not, just because when somebody sees that my product's for sale on Amazon Prime, that, okay, well, these guys probably aren't going to be ripping me off if they're also selling selling there. Mm-hmm. So like th- that's that's the one thing. But the, the big thing that really works for us is I like to look at this channel as a means to get content for my direct response. So we, you know, we send out tons and tons and tons of product to influencers between like three and th- 30,000 followers and they're basically creating photography for me that I would normally have to pay somebody a few hundred dollars per per thing. And, and it's giving me a variety of material that I can use in our tests. So like every week we fire up 10 different Facebook ads with two different creatives of like our winning creative on our, you know, our top performing audience. And we just like, it's hilarious because like we were talking about earlier, I'm like, well, that ad's good. That, that image is going to kill it. That image is going to like <laughs> the bed, but like, you know, it's just like copy. You don't know which image is actually going to make people purchase. And like, we get like probably at least a hundred different posts per month. And we're, we're cherry picking which ones we think we look good, but we're getting so many different types of creative and it's amazing. Some of the, some of the ones that wind up being our big winners. Almost like a content content. channel where, you know, based on the amount of time that you would generally spend, you know, trying to create creative every day, you spend however much money to send someone the product and then, you know, they're building the content for you and you have however many hundred different variations from different people that you can test and try out to different audiences. And then the other thing that you said is between 3,000 3, and 30,000. And that's something that we at, at Digital Marketer, we've been looking at in terms of trying to figure out how, how we can start working with influencers and micro-influencers in particular, because they don't need, you know, when you're trying to target a specific audience, sometimes you don't need someone who has 
30,000 people. I think that's actually a really relevant comparison to like, it might be a smaller following, but it might be a very long tail, high intent audience, right? I mean, it's definitely true. You'll see, you'll see some people who have really small following have extremely high engagement. And there's a lot of people that have that really high followings that did some manipulative stuff to get there. But I think like if you, obviously this doesn't fit every single business model, but if you have like a CPG product, like a consumer product goods, you know, just getting your product in the hand of somebody, like I can send, if I send my product to 200 influencers and they actually like the product, there's, there's even a chance that they might just wind up continuing to buy the product afterwards as well. So, you know, there's so many, for me, there's so many different reasons why it's effective. And the content generation is killer. Like, like you have to create, I mean, I know you're obviously you're running Facebook ads right now and a lot of other media, but the proportion of video and or testimonials that you get from those micro influencers, are they driving a fair amount of your top of funnel traffic right now? Yeah, we've been using them more and more top of funnel. You know, I was using a lot more like polished stuff for a while, like videos and stuff like that. But, and then I was using most of this content in like middle of funnel like I would create like dynamic creative ads with like five or or sorry, 10 different influencer images. And like, I use a couple versions of my winning copy. And then I would take some of the testimonials that they had and I plug them all in the middle of funnel, like all my video views, all my Instagram page engagers, all my Facebook page engagers. And like, for me, that's like a massive, like 8 million person audience or something stupid, but I still do that too. And it works like tremendously well because like you're, you have all these iterations of like all these different touch points that are all different for people that have been to the top of your funnel and it gives them a lot of like, like trust-based optimization points, whatever you want to call it. But top of funnel, I'm seeing more and more and more of it working. And especially when it's tied to like uh, story copy, like brand story copy, uh, it's, it's also working a bit with like our kind of like direct response, punchy, like here's your benefits, check mark, bullet point things, but it's like, if there's not a demonstration of the product, I'm finding it, it works really well blended with like story copy. Got it. Got it. Which totally makes sense. Which brings us to the next part of it. Influencers, not a hard to track exactly. Cause it's going viral. It's going like they're posting on their page and you don't really know where it's coming from. I and mean, what's your sense and how do you, how do you try and nail that down as much as you can? Do you have any sort of software you use? And then like, how do you view attribution just in general? Yeah. So, I mean, we use a software called Mighty Scout to kind of track like the engagement and the viewership and, and keep all of our, the actual assets in one spot. It's, it's, it's pretty convenient. Attribution as a whole, you know, the, the, it's tough because so many people go and Google from Instagram. We, we keep track of like people that click our bio links and that's generally the revenue from that's generally going up month over month. But, you know, I generally look at attribution, especially in an omni-channel world, holistically. I, I, I like to look at all marketing activities and all of their costs, kind of blend all my new customers into that price. And I try to shoot to stay below a certain dollar value across everything blended as a whole. And the, like, the attribution models like Facebook or Google or whoever give you, instead of that being my, like, live, live by the sword, die by the sword, like, 
method for telling me whether or not I turn something off. That's, that's a compass for me. So if I'm looking at Facebook and that's where I spend all my money yesterday and it's saying that I've got like a $60 CPA, but my blended CPA is like $34. I know that like people were probably buying on Amazon because of those ads yesterday, or like it's causing some sort of uptick in one of the other different areas or, or just didn't catch some of the attribution. But like usually whatever Facebook's saying is my, is my cost per purchase is usually a little bit higher just because I have all these other things that happen as a result of me running these ads. And that was something, I mean, that was something that we used to test at the tech company that I used to work with before Digital Marketer. There was a, a point in time where the SEO team and the paid team, we worked, we worked pretty closely together, but on different campaigns. And there was a month where we were like, we're breaking records. SEO is killing it. And as a result, the paid team was getting more and more pissed off because they weren't, they were like, this is, this attribution is coming from us. But we were the, on the organic side going, look how amazing all this organic traffic is and all of our uh, campaigns are doing. So as a result, one of the women that would run, I think she was running either Facebook or Google ads. She was running, running one of the ad campaigns. She just turned it off for 24 hours, just turned off all spend for 24 hours. And in 24 hours, organic traffic just tanked. And she did it just to prove a point and was like, I just wanted to show you that like <laughs> you need to attribute this in multiple ways because, you know, I think that's something that we don't talk. I mean, it's not something that we talk about, especially not in the organic industry of, you know, the ad spend that you're spending, you know, either on Facebook or on Google or even, you know, you know, having people present your product on Instagram, it'll come up later in the day and someone will go search for it or search for it on Google, which then becomes organic traffic. So it's hard to attribute all of the benefits that you get from just either ad spend or any other kind of variation of, you know, product promotion. It's a pretty gutsy move. <laughs> it was pretty gutsy. I mean, she was right to be right. fair, but... <laughs> it's pretty good. We've... uh uh, we were saying before we hit record, uh, we usually see that with customers of ours where, where their credit card fails. They're like, oh, the Facebook ads don't have anything to do with our Amazon and our Google. Well, all of a sudden you shut off twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a day. It's like, how's your Google day? You know, that's a nasty way of doing it, but it does happen. I mean, there's obviously there's this halo effect like you, like you say, Ryan. I think you guys look at it in the right way. It's like, all right, here's my aggregate spend. Here's what we actually made today. You know, email probably being included in that as well, I would imagine. You know, how's the business doing? Like you look at everything sort of as a blended thing as opposed to, like I think you said it best, you said it's a signpost or it's directional. It's a compass. I it's think a compass, said. yeah. It's a compass. I love that because it is a compass. It's like it's not exactly north. It's kind of close to north, you know, depending on how good your compass is. And, and I think that's a smart way of doing it, especially if you're multi-channel like you guys obviously are. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think that we'd be able to ever scale if we didn't do it that way. Because yeah. like yesterday, my Facebook ads, like I look at revenue and my return on ad spend was much higher than what, what was happening. And it's not that Facebook isn't attributing it properly. It's just, they can't access every single channel that where I sell. So yeah. it, you know, it's, uh, it's easy for me to break it out, but you know, it, it, unless you know to look at it that way, you're not going to see the picture the same way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, dude, this has been this has been awesome, and congratulations on your continued success. Continue to crush it, even beyond this thing that's happening in the outside world here. I think you know people are now going to be like, why did I ever go shopping for laundry detergent? Or in the past, it's like, thank God for COVID nineteen. Maybe not thank God for COVID nineteen, but the point is, is like you're changing behaviors for people and and doing doing uh, the right thing in the world with a with a bigger plan, which is uh, which is awesome. And really happy to have you on and continue to just tell as many people as you possibly can on that. And like I said, perpetual traffic listeners, if you're not buying this stuff, you know, Ryan, tell people where they should go to get <laughs> what we've been talking about here for the last half hour. <laughs> if you want to try True Earth, uh, you can go to www.tru.earth. That's true.earth. There's no E on the true and there's no.com. There you go. Well, for those of you who can't really spell while you're driving the car, we are, we'll leave all this in the show notes as well as a bunch of the other links um, that we mentioned on today's show. Make sure you head over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Ryan McKenzie, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Until next week, we'll see you. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.